Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, I love this show today because it is with two of my very favorite people. My first guest, who you will meet in a moment, is Dr. David Schaefer. He is a renowned plastic surgeon who is recognized both nationally and internationally as a leader and an innovator in his field, and he'll tell us all how we can look even more beautiful than before in just a minute. After the break, we're going to meet Grace Ann Svensson. She works with Dr. Schaefer, and she'll talk about beauty from the inside out, which, as we know, is equally important. But first, here is someone who is beautiful inside and out, my producer, the lovely Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Oh, thank you, Jane. <laughs> as always, as always. Well, you know, I like the show today. As I said, we have two wonderful guests. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Schaefer before we bring him on. He is a double board-certified plastic surgeon who I just mentioned. He is recognized both nationally and internationally. He is a peer-nominated Castle Connolly top doctor, and he has consecutively won a Patient's Choice Award, which is a rare honor, I might add. I would vote for him on that one, I should say. Um, he is, in fact, the go-to doctor of the world's most beautiful people as he stays on the cutting edge of technological and surgical developments, and he offers his patients the best and latest possible treatments and advice. His results are always natural-looking. And if any of you out there meet me, you will notice that I have no worry lines on my forehead, despite the fact that I'm always worried about something. And Lori, of course, will attest to that, I'm sure. And my cheeks are full, despite my advancing age. And I will let you in on a little secret, everyone. Nature had nothing to do with that. It's all thanks to Dr. Schaefer. Um, and he's also the world's nicest doctor with the most beautiful wife and the cutest baby. He has it all. He's done it all. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schaefer. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me here today. Oh, it's a pleasure. All right, doctor, before we talk about beauty, um, can you explain to our audience, what does it mean to be board certified? So board certification for plastic surgery is a step that plastic surgeons go through after their training. So you go through your training for plastic surgery, and then you take an exam to make sure that you're qualified and skilled enough to practice plastic surgery. And there's some confusion in the public between a plastic surgeon and a cosmetic surgeon. So while plastic surgeons do everything from reconstruction to aesthetic surgery or what people commonly call cosmetic surgery, people who call themselves cosmetic surgeons often are not board certified, meaning that they may be a doctor in another field, but they're choosing the practice procedures or treatments that a true plastic surgeon would normally do. So when you're looking for a doctor, you want to make sure that they're board certified in plastic surgery to make sure that they have the proper training and qualifications for what you're having done. 
Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't go to an orthopedic surgeon if you have a headache. So, you know, why go to a plastic, to, why go to a, a cosmetic, why go to a doctor who does not specialize in plastic surgery, as you said. So sure. getting back to beauty, everyone wants to look better than before. But, you know, many of us, we don't even know where to begin. There's so much information out there and it's confusing, you know, to many of us, as I said, myself included, as you probably figured out from, from my last visit. And we're a little nervous about doing anything too drastic or particularly painful. And until fairly recently, the only antidote for aging skin that involved scalpels and anesthesia and very long and painful recoveries. So let's talk a bit about the latest procedures in plastic surgery. How have they improved over the years? Sure. And what I would uh, caution people to do is to not just believe what you're reading in an advertisement for some new development or some new machine, because those are not regulated by any governing authority and anybody could make any claims in an advertisement, what I would suggest that people do is actually go in for a consultation with their plastic surgeon so that they can review any of their concerns and areas that they want to improve, and the plastic surgeon and the patient together can come up with a plan for their treatment. There's many new treatments out there that are very good, and the doctor can help you sift through those to see what's best for you. For instance, a combination of non-invasive procedures or treatments such as Botox and fillers in the face can hold off having to have a facelift or a more extensive facelift for many years. There's other things we can do such as laser resurfacing or a newer technology fractionated radiofrequency which can help tighten the skin and help smooth the lines around the face. So those are all the latest. And you can, as you said, you can stay off having the more invasive plastic surgery for a few years. Now, obviously, you see many, many patients on a daily basis. What are some of their uh, issues and concerns that you're always hearing about? There's a couple of different uh, categories of patients. We, we have some patients in their late 30s or early 40s who come in and they're seeing the beginning of lines around their eyes or worried lines on their forehead or just their skin becoming a little bit more lax. And for those patients, we can we have a lot of non-invasive procedures we can do, like I mentioned the Botox and the fillers and laser or radiofrequency. We also have a category of patients such as uh, postpartum women after having children, and we do a procedure called the mommy makeover. That does require surgery because when you have a baby, all of your abdominal muscles become stretched, the skin can get stretch marks, and we do a rejuvenating procedure on the abdomen and then also the breast. If after breastfeeding, you need a lift or implants just to help rejuvenate you and put your body back to how it was prior to having the babies. The last category of patients maybe in their 50s or 60s, and they're seeing signs of aging in their face, their jowls, their cheeks, and this might be somebody who is good for a facelift, and we can combine that with another newer technology called fat grafting where we can take fat from their abdomen and then process it and inject those live fat cells right under their skin to help rejuvenate the skin and add lost volume. You can take all the fat you want from each of my thighs. Trust me, yeah. there's enough yeah. there to fill 10 faces, <laughs> not more. Yeah, there's, there's never a shortage in most people. There's so, never uh, a shortage of that. Yes, <laughs> people are very happy to donate some fat from one part of their body to another. Sometimes people come in and they want to donate their fat to somebody else. But it's a procedure where we can take the fat from somewhere in your body and move it to another place in your body. 
Now, taking my fear of doctors in general out of the equation here, you know, my blood pressure rises at the sight of anyone in a white coat, even the the butcher. Right? So let's not talk. Let's not talk about me here. Um, who is not a good candidate for surgery? So a patient may come in and have unrealistic expectations. For instance, they'll bring in the cover of a bunch of of uh, magazines that have been heavily photoshopped and say, "I want to look exactly like this person." Or they may come in and want unusual things done, um, like their tongue split down the middle so they can look like a snake. And there's um, things that are reasonable to do, and then there's things that are unreasonable. But part of our training in plastic surgery and practicing safe medicine is to find out who is the good candidate for surgery and if their expectations will meet what we can provide for them. But, you know, on that on that point, um, we all know that celebrities look better as they age. And, you know, if you see a movie star, let's say, 10 years ago, they look better now. And that, you know, nature doesn't do that, <laughs> I must say. So, well, yeah. right? I mean, how many yeah, times have women come to you and said, look, I want to look like Kim Kardashian, for example. And you go, no, that's not your face, you know. Right. There's a difference between wanting to look like somebody else, and then improving what you already have. So we can do many procedures, such as Botox, to help smooth the wrinkles around the eyes or between the eyebrows. There's a great product called Voluma, which we inject in the cheeks, and it helps lift the face without looking injected. All these things can help you kind of look like your older self, or younger self, rather, and help improve um, you from the outside. Our goal is to help you look on the outside as you feel on the inside. So if you're young and healthy on the inside, but you seem to be aging on the outside, we can help make those changes for you. I have to add here, you did give me Voluma when I came in the other week. And I tell you, you give the best needles. I'm usually so, like, nervous about needles. I mean, just beyond. But you didn't even feel it when you do it. And that's a that's an amazing talent. Beside everything else, that's quite a talent. Well, I, you know, I have a gentle hand for injecting, but part of it also is these products are really good. So... It's a very thin product. It's made out of a molecule that's naturally in your skin for hydration, and it's mixed with a numbing medication. So patients really don't need to be scared about needles like they may have been when they were a kid because the technology even in needles and syringes has changed so much that we can make it very comfortable for them. Now, there are other fillers, right? There there are lots of fillers that you see. There's um, hyaluronic acid. There's Restylane. There's, I mean, do you, uh, is there a difference between them? Is there one that you perhaps recommend over another? I know we just talked about Voluma. Sure. There's not one filler that's the cure-all for everybody. So many times I'll use a combination of fillers. For instance, I may put Voluma in the cheeks and then Juvederm around the mouth. There's another product called Radius, which is a whole other category of filler, which is made out of hydroxyapatite, similar to what your bone is made out of, but made into a paste, so you can inject it. That's good for a chin augmentation or even along the nose. And then there's another filler called Sculptra, and that's something that you would inject under the skin in a more diffuse pattern, and it actually helps stimulate the growth of your own tissue under the skin. So it's great for the temple area. As we age, your temples start to become depressed, and if we can fill that area up, and have it look more youthful, it can make a really nice change. There's one great advantage to the hyaluronic acid fillers, which would be the Voluma, Juvederm, Restylane, and Bellatero is another one, because we have an enzyme which can melt them. So let's say you have the injections, but then you decide you want it softened or modified a little bit. We can inject the enzyme and melt the product. 
It's also good when I see consultations for patients who have been injected somewhere else, probably by a non-plastic surgeon, and they have a lump or a bump or an asymmetry from their filler, and I'm able to quickly correct it with the enzyme. The other two fillers that I mentioned, Radius and also Sculptra, you can't melt. So it's very important when you're having those fillers that it's a well-trained and qualified person injecting those fillers because once they're injected, you can't take them back out again. And also, I think there's a tendency for a lot of women to perhaps do too much. You know, if you see, if you ever go to a very sad movie, like, you know, years ago, there was a notebook, everybody was was weeping. And, and you know, the ones who were unable to make any sort of facial expression, <laughs> you know, that they just had too much Botox. So I'm sure that you have many patients who want to come to you to get more and more and more. And you go, wait a minute, you, you know, it's, they already look like the Joker. So let's leave it at that, right? I mean, uh-huh. how much is too much? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, and that's, and that's true. And so the goal is that you want to make sure that every patient uh, has a natural look for them. So part of my job is to be a gatekeeper. And if somebody comes in and they say, wow, the injections you did are really great, I want to have more of them, it may be that we shouldn't do more because if you do more, they may get an unnatural look to them. So my goal always is to make sure that we do everything in moderation and I'd rather have somebody come back and get more if they need it than to overdo it and look strange. Right. Now, what is there a is, is it considered too young? Is there an age for Botox or any of that? What what is that? Because I know there's a rise in, in younger patients, probably younger and younger. What is considered too young? So there's no real age limit because, for instance, as plastic surgeons are also trained in reconstructive surgery and the cosmetic or aesthetic part of surgery. So we may do a surgery in someone as young as a four-year-old for prominent ears, and we're able to tack the ears back and uh, give them a a look that looks more normal, but also help the ear development as they grow. Um, Whether that's considered reconstructive or cosmetic, you know, people can discuss. There's also different disorders where you could have breast asymmetry. So you have one breast that's much larger than the other, and that may be something you'd want to fix sooner rather than later. So the most important thing is making sure that the patient is a good candidate for surgery and also medically good for surgery. So if somebody has many other medical problems or on medications that may be contradictive to having the surgery, then we may postpone it or solve those other problems first before performing any surgery. Yeah, I'm always amazed at women, actually, who want butt lifts. I mean, I guess there's some out there. Me, I have a natural, like, a butt lift. <laughs> Not a butt lift, but I have the natural padding that one could say, wow, maybe they, but I, I see some of these women, they come out with this, not not your not your patients, but they come out with these huge behinds. I mean, why in the world? It's like if you go on a spin class and I say, well, you can get those shorts, you can sit on the bicycle and, you know, because they're padded. Like, who wants that? You have to walk around with them. <laughs> oh, exactly. But there's cultural differences in what people want and even from city to city in warmer weather people are not wearing as much clothes and they like to be a little bit more curvy and you know in New York it seems people like to be a little bit more streamlined but even even in New York we have people getting uh, the surgery to enhance the butt and that's one of the surgeries where I was talking about where we could take fat from one part of your body and enhance another part of your body. Well, that's one area I don't have to touch. Let me tell you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that one. It's, yeah. it's all good. All good. Um, now, you know, we were mentioning a little bit about the non-invasive. Let's talk just a little bit about laser. And then when Grace Ann comes on, she'll she'll talk a little bit more. But I just had something called the sublative laser. And yeah. it was it was 
wonderful. I mean, the, the way it, and, and that's new, right? Um, the way it kind of clears up your skin it takes a, a little while. You have a couple of days that you're sure. a little bit red. But yeah. so tell me about some of the new lasers out there. Yeah, that's, what a they- of, that's a blade of what you have. It's actually not a laser, but it's a radio frequency treatment, and it's fractionated. And, and you may hear uh, about fractionated CO2, which we also offer, and now fractionated radio frequency. And what that is, instead of one large laser beam, it takes the laser or radio frequency and splits it in a little tiny, tiny beams that all hit you at the same time. But what they do is leave some non-treated skin between the treated skin where the laser or radio frequency hits the skin, and that improves the downtime. So traditionally, if you had full laser resurfacing that's not fractionated, it could take a few weeks to recover from Mm -hmm. that. But now with the fractionated technology, you can have the same laser but the tiny little laser beams and heal much faster because you probably had a couple days of redness and a little bit of swelling, but it's much less than what you would have had if we had a, um, a full resurfacing. Yeah. Now, there are other lasers also that you recommend, no, that oh, are... Yeah. yeah, every laser, depending on the wavelength, can do different treatments. For instance, we have one that is good for red. So imagine if you have little capillaries in your face or little red areas on your face to be treated, we could uh, treat you with that laser and it'll help shrink the capillaries and even remove them. Another laser, the wavelength is absorbed more by the brown color. So let's say you have age spots or any brown discoloration on your skin, we're able to treat you with that laser. And the CO2 laser, which I referred to earlier, that's really good for smoothing the skin and even flattening scars. So if you have a raised scar, you could treat your, be treated with that laser, and it can help improve the appearance of the scar. So there's really many things that can be treated with the lasers and after a consultation we look at you and decide which ones we should use and sometimes just like the fillers you're not going to do just one you may do a combination of different lasers to achieve the best result for instance if somebody has a scar they don't like we can use the co2 laser to help flatten it and then the alexandrite laser or the b-beam laser which help take out the reds and the browns and colors from the scar so you can do it, and you can do so much with lasers. Years ago, they never even had that, and you just, you know, the. of course, years ago, they didn't have so many tattoos that people want to remove, right? And the same lasers, since they can treat those different colors, are really great for tattoos. So we can treat the greens, the reds, the browns, just by adjusting the settings on the laser to customize it to whatever the patient has. The latest technology we have for laser, and it's kind of a, a topic that, that some people might find interesting, but for vaginal rejuvenation. And that's a laser where we're actually using that CO2 technology, but we can help treat medically for urinary incontinence by tightening up the skin, but also cosmetically as well. Oh, wow. So you do like head to toe and in between, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing left left undone when when they come to you. Yep. Now, let's talk a little bit of the specifics. I know a lot of people think, and I think it's because of the media, that, oh, I'm going to get a facelift, and they think it's nothing. Well, it's, it's really not nothing. So let's talk the specifics of a facelift, starting there. Sure. So, you know, when somebody comes in for a facelift, or they may think they need a facelift, I, they come into the office for a consultation. And the first thing I do is hand them a mirror and say, what is it that bothers you? And then they may say the jowls are bothering them, or some neck bands are bothering them, or even the loss of volume in their cheeks like we were talking about earlier. And then after they explain what's bothering them, I can go through and show them what we can do on their face to help make improvements. 
in many cases, we do what's called a lower face lift because most patients are good candidates for that. And what that's going to do is remove the neck bands, tighten up the skin around the jaws, and help lift the cheeks. The upper face often is best treated with Botox or the fillers like we talked about earlier. I think doing a combination between the fillers and the Botox and the lower face lift can help maintain a really natural appearance for the patient. If the patient decides to have surgery, then what we do is schedule them, and we do IV anesthesia. So you don't have to be under a deep anesthesia like in the past. It's similar to if you've had a colonoscopy or a dental surgery where you have an IV, you fall asleep, and then before you know it, the procedure is already over. During the surgery, we make a small incision around the ear, lift up the skin so that we're able to smooth it out, and then also put some stitches under the skin and the muscle and basically putting it back to where it used to be before gravity and age took effect. Then we gently pull the skin back, cut any excess away, and then sew the incisions back together. It's about a three-hour surgery because there's a lot of sewing involved. And then we monitor you overnight, and you go home, and you come back a week later to have the sutures removed. So it's a, it's a true surgery, but it can give some really fantastic results. Yeah, I was just telling Lori, I'm there. <laughs> there, <laughs> there. But no, we're going to start with the eyes. We're going to start with yeah. the eyes as we discuss. It's my birthday present to myself. Exactly. Beware, I'm forewarning you. I'm like the world's worst patient. Oh, um, so what is an eye lift um, So an eye involved? lift. Yeah, an eye lift surgery is uh, when your upper eyelid skin starts to become too loose. And I often joke with patients, if you feel like some of the horses in Central Park, where they have those blinders on either side of their eye, but there's from the skin that's hanging down off your eyelid, then it's probably time to do an eye lift surgery. But what you do is make an incision in your natural crease of your eyelid, and then we have a special instrument which helps us measure how much skin to remove without taking off too much and making sure that you can still shut your eyes naturally. And then we just sew those two incisions back together. There's a little bit of fat around the eye, and sometimes if people have excess fat or herniated fat, we can remove that or modify that at the same time to help give the eye a more youthful contour. That's a surgery that takes about 45 minutes or an hour. You go home the same day, and we take your stitches out three to five days later. So it's a quicker recovery than a facelift and uh, gives you a really nice refreshed appearance. Sometimes people actually have the eye lift and the facelift at the same time, and it all depends on what they need because each surgery will customize to each patient. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, 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 when you mention all the specifics, um, that is why you have to go to a doctor, who a plastic surgeon, who makes you look natural because you, we've all seen horror um, or heard horror stories when you see someone they they look they have that like basset hound look like too much is being taken out from the under eye like they didn't measure as you said you do so it's you wonder what was the doctor thinking when they gave this face and some of them as we all know are celebrities and like really you know or they do it so much i mean how many times should you theoretically have your eyes done or your face lifted is there a is there a number of times that after that you should no longer do anything? You know, there's no limit to how many times you could do each surgery, but you have to make sure you're appropriate to have the surgery each time you're having it done. An eyelid surgery is not something you should have to do multiple times in your life, maybe once and in a few cases, sometimes twice, if you continue to age and the skin continues to loosen. But it's not something you're coming in for every three or four years to redo your eyes. We don't want to alter the shape of the eyes, and every time 
do take scan, especially off the lower eyelids, there is a risk of changing the shape of the eyes. So that's why we do the surgery very conservatively and assess our patients every time to make sure they're a good candidate for it. For facelifts, in general, doing the surgery takes a patient back about 10 or 15 years in their look and their skin quality. So if a patient comes back for another surgery, it may be 10 or 15 years later. However, the vast majority of people have one if, if two facelift surgeries in their whole life. In the past, there was a different way of doing facelifts where the skin was resected and just pulled very tight towards the ears. And you, and you can see that look that older people had that had it um, several years ago where their mouth was a little wider, their nose was pulled a little wider, their cheeks looked actually flattened. And, and those kind of surgeries, when you keep pulling and pulling the skin, it is going to give somebody that windswept look. The more modern and technologically advanced way of doing a facelift, though, is how I described, where we lift up the skin, modify the muscles by sewing them back to where they used to be, and then just gently putting the skin back in place and taking out any excess skin. That's going to give a patient a much more natural look and a nicer recovery. Yeah, and something that, that you and I had discussed in, in your office, that um, many people, and of course women in particular, they, they jump into surgery, they don't read or research beyond the marketing jargon that's meant to sell them, basically. Uh, there are suspect fillers out there, they're being offered on the internet, and as I told a friend of mine who was looking to have her face lift in India, of all places, because it was considerably less expensive, you know, if anything goes wrong when you get back home, um, what, do you take the next flight back to Mumbai to get it fixed? I mean, there goes the money you saved, right? <laughs> and, and besides. It's a yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation for patients and, and something that I don't understand why they put themselves at risk like that. Because when you're going to, let's say, a third world country or very far away uh, for surgery, you don't know the qualifications of the person doing the procedure. And the standards for the operating room and sterility may not be the same as what we have here in the United States. I see a lot of patients who have gone down to South America and other places, and then they want to have an appointment with me uh, post-op because they want me to correct whatever was done or handle some complication that was done to them. And it's very difficult for them because they've already spent money to fly down there, have the surgery, and now they're having to pay again to have whatever was done fixed for them. It's different than getting it right the first time, which is always the best with plastic surgery. Yeah, definitely. And then also, doctors, some doctors promise that you can look, you know, younger by lunch, thinner by dinner, um, these sort of quick fixes that sound too good to be true. Are they too good to be true if they sound it? I mean, you read, you see, see an ad for it. You can have a facelift and be back to your office like three hours later. And and what you're describing doesn't sound like that's possible. <laughs> yeah, if, it, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Or if you're going into somebody's basement to have the surgery or their living room to have some injections, that's not right either. You have to have the real surgery to get real results. And like I referred to earlier, don't be fooled by marketing and other things that people mention right. because you're really not going to have the, the right thing done for you. It's better to go to a well-qualified, trained, and board-certified person to have the real surgery than to waste your money and time and your health on something that isn't proven and doesn't work. All right. The other day I passed a sign, Manny Petty in Manhattan, Manny Petty Botox. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. <laughs> I see so many people wanting their fillers and their Botox fixed because they went to somewhere that had somebody who wasn't a doctor injecting or they weren't qualified 
And again, getting it right the first time is the best way to go. And, and you don't know what they're putting in you either. I mean, they, they're suspect. I mean, you're actually putting it into your face, and it could be some real botulism that hasn't been. <laughs> you have no idea, or it may be right. something that the clinic or whoever imported from some other country. Patients bring me their notes sometimes after they've had injections somewhere else, and it's products that aren't even FDA approved in this country, which they had injected right here in New York. So you really have to be careful with uh, what's being put in your face. And just because it's, quote-unquote, non-invasive or minimally invasive doesn't mean there isn't risk. So it really is important that you do your research and see someone who's qualified for your treatment. Right. And also, are you seeing more men coming into you? You know, that's very interesting. There's been a real surge in men coming in. I think it's becoming more acceptable uh, for men to talk about what they're having done and discussing it with their friends. We also have a lot of people where the wife will come in first and have a treatment, and they realize how great the Botox is or how nice the liposuction turned out. And then when they come for their post-op visit, they're bringing their husband or boyfriend in and uh, encouraging them to have treatment as well. Yeah, I mean, that. my husband said, I think I want my eyes done. I said, no, 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 wait in line, okay? Me first, then after. If Dr. Schaefer wants to take care of you. We'll ask oh, that's it. funny. They, uh, you, you know, often they'll be the guinea pig of the group, and so people will send one person in to get a procedure, a treatment done, and then once they see how fantastic it is, then uh, the rest of the group will come in. So, yeah, really, I, uh, happens. I, I, I don't notice though that men. You know how women uh, go; they pick up their faces, like you know, put their two fingers on either side of their cheeks and pull it up. You know, I don't think yes. too do that, but maybe they do. I don't know. It's yeah, not. I, like, think, I think men do it too. They just don't talk about it as much. They don't talk about it. They don't do it in front of you. <laughs> yeah, but they talk about it once they get here. But, it, but you know, there's very common procedures for men. For instance, liposuction of the love handles. You could work out and work out and diet and everywhere else in your body looks great, but there's just stubborn fat around the love handles or a little fat pocket under the chin. Or there's a um, condition called gynecomastia, and that's where men have breast tissue or a little bit of fat under their breast, and they're self-conscious about that. Mm-hmm. So, And that can happen up to 30% of men. So doing the liposuction on those areas can make a considerable difference for them. Yeah, I see some people, some men never take off their shirts because they do have that <laughs> issue. So, so it's, easy or, um, um, it's easy to fix that. Right. So yeah, those are those are standard procedures. You know, minimal downtime from it. But the, you know, there's a recovery with any surgery, but it but it can make a drastic difference. I'm no uh, stranger to having plastic surgery, and I had liposuction, and it's one of the best things I ever did. Yeah, well, I'm, I have other things first. I have my list, all right? First the eyes, <laughs> you know, first the fillers, then the laser, yeah. then the eye. I mean, I have well, to go by, you know, my to-do yeah. list. <laughs> and that's important because. Sometimes patients come in, and by the time we're done with their conversation, they want a total body makeover. And you really have to be realistic on what you can do at one time and also prioritize based on your budget, based on your time off for recovering, and the number of procedures we're doing. Because uh, you'll read in the news sometimes people will get you know, a tummy tuck, Brazilian butt lift, liposuction, and then, you know, some tragic thing happens. And, and mm-hmm. really, it's best to stage procedures, concentrate on the main area of focus, and then do the next procedure maybe several months later. So then that way your body can heal properly and that you can have a nice outcome while also performing a safe surgery. 
Right. Now, doctor, in the few minutes that we have left, how important is taking care of your health in general for a better surgical outcome? Yeah, I always tell patients surgery is just one part of it. You have to have good nutrition, and you also have to have exercise. One thing that happens sometimes is we'll do liposuction, a patient will look great, and then they'll think they don't have to do anything. So they're not exercising, they don't have a healthy diet, and their results are not as good as they could be. So really, you have to exercise, work on your nutrition, and have the good surgery. And then that's what's going to give you the best outcome. Often before surgery, I'll assess the patient, and if I don't feel they have good nutrition, we'll work on getting that boosted up. Or if they're not exercising or their weight isn't appropriate for the surgery, we'll work on that before surgery. And we have people that um, we consult with that will help patients do that. And then even after surgery, we have a physical therapist, which is fantastic, a post-plastic surgery physical therapy to help the lymphatic vessels start draining, to help with all the swelling and start to help with movement. So it's really a multifactorial approach to the patient to ensure that they have the best outcome. Yeah, and of course, sunblock, right? Avoid the sun, right, if you can. This time of year, people have to be really careful. They're real quick to go out in the sun. They're not in the habit of putting on sunblock because it's in the winter all the time. But putting on sunblock to protect your skin is very important. There's other things for your skin, too, staying well hydrated and then not smoking. You can definitely tell who's a smoker and who's not a smoker just by looking at their skin and making sure that you eliminate all the factors which uh, can make your skin worse will help definitely help improve your skin in the future. Well, wonderful. It, again, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Where can our listeners find you? So um, they can check our website, which is Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R, PlasticSurgery.com. They can also email us at info at Dr. Schaefer, D-R Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R.com, or even call our office at 212-888-7770. And I really encourage people, if they're considering any procedure, to come in for a consultation so that we can discuss all of their options and see if they're a good candidate for the procedure. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for being with us. You have uh, a couple of months uh, till I come in for my eyes. <laughs> so I'm just forewarning you, be prepared. I mean, well, as looking, I said. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so, what I always easiest. say is, is plastic surgery can make beautiful people even better looking. And oh, so, that's, that's, you, know, you already look great, but doing the spine touches are really make a nice change for people. Uh, if you can put me out now to prepare for the <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with that. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you again, Dr. Schaefer. It's been great talking to you. Terrific, everyone. We're going to take a quick break. When we'll be turned, we'll be speaking with Grace Ann Fenson. She is a licensed esthetician, certified laser technician, and certified holistic health coach who works with Dr. Schaefer in his state-of-the-art clinic right here in New York City. And you'll hear all about what she does to complement his work in just a moment. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You!, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? 
Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before, at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com, where it's available for delivery or as an ebook. Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune into Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Welcome back, everyone. We're on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm here with my Lori, as always, my beautiful Lori. And now I'd like you all to meet the equally beautiful Grace Ann Svensson, who, as I mentioned, works hand-in-hand with Dr. Schaefer. She herself offering the latest in skincare, anti-aging, and wellness advice and procedures. Grace Ann, she's a licensed esthetician, certified laser coach. She's a health coach. And although she doesn't look a day over fabulous, she has years of experience in plastic surgery, dermatology, and the healing arts. And she is one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. Welcome to the show, Grace Ann. Thanks so much for being with us. Jane, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. You know, I was just talking to Dr. Schaefer um, about the, the, the outer beauty. He did mention something, of course, about the, the, the inner beauty and how we must take care of ourselves. But uh, you work on your patient's inner beauty very much so. And, um, you know, there's something I I did want to talk about on the air. You and I have discussed this uh, before. Um, But I read that the the current media ideal for women's overall appearance is achievable by less than 2% of the the population. That's not very much. So we're being bombarded with these pictures of these exceptionally beautiful women. And that's, that's really unrealistic. And, you know, that, that's why most women are really dissatisfied with their appearance because the standards of female beauty, they've become basically unattainable. So, you know, here's the question. How do you recommend that we begin to look at ourselves in, 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 a, in a better light? Because if we continue to have low self-esteem and be constantly self-critical, no amount of plastic surgery or cosmetic procedures will really make a difference in the long run. The main uh, point you already touched on is how can we focus on ourselves? What makes ourselves, or what makes us unique? And approaching it from that standpoint, instead of focusing outside ourselves, and worrying about you know, comparing what we should look like based on what we really do look like, then it's going to feel a lot more genuine and a lot, we're going to appreciate ourselves a lot more. So I always uh, tell people, appreciate who you are and focus on your strengths and focus on what you have control over and uh, know that you have value in your own uniqueness. Right. So everyone is is beautiful. And what I find a lot uh, of women say, as soon as you meet them, they'll point out, you know, a pimple on their left cheek. Like you never would have noticed it until they point it out. Right. So exactly. I, I tell them either don't point it out or take a little brown eyebrow pencil and make it into a mole. And they think you're Cindy Crawford. I mean, what else? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, show your inner Marilyn Monroe or, right? or you know, just enjoy enjoy the fact that there's a flaw there which makes you human, which, as I tell my patients, it means you're alive. 
definitely. Absolutely. Now, um, and we, we, I talked about this a little bit with, with Dr. Shaver before, you know, even if you have a facelift, uh, if you don't have good skin, if you don't have the good canvas to go with it, uh, you, you look old with a facelift. So what are your secrets to having that beautiful complexion? What do you tell your patients? Uh, with especially working on facelift structure, you know, that's going to give a strong structure to the skin, but without worrying, you know, fixing the outside, you're going to have the sagging look. You're not going to have a glow. So I recommend to my patients exfoliation, working, doing laser treatments to help to correct past damage and mapping out a treatment plan that's unique for each person that's customized. So we're doing repair work on past damage, we're correcting uh, what's happened in the past and we're protecting it with great sunscreen and then I'm setting up a a maintenance plan. So the, the, the end isn't the facelift, that's actually the beginning of a process. So guiding patients about being less goal oriented and more involved in the process and listening to what is bothering them about their skin. Now, are there any, is there any food we should stay away from? Too much alcohol, maybe? Too much coffee? What, what are some of the no-nos for um, our skins that we shouldn't be doing? I'd like to think of it as, as the big five. So there's alcohol, there's caffeine, there's sugar. In my opinion, dairy Uh, causes a ton of inflammation and to some extent gluten you know the uh, the crops how we're growing them now are sprayed with a lot of chemicals and uh, the crops are shorter you know so when we're eating all of this gluten and everything is getting all sticky in our gut it's not helping us to be taller and thinner and more uh, you know flexible it's it's shorter uh, crops that are not helping anything well I can avoid gluten I do but but dairy I'm an utter failure <laughs> as I tell everyone it's just impossible I mean that for having some milk and tea now I know Lori doesn't eat dairy but maybe goat cheese but um, it's hard and, and sugar you know the, the problem is that and even things that are gluten-free when you read the labels they put masses of sugar in it to make up yeah. for whatever they're lacking and that's an issue you know It is, and the tapioca flour, the potato starch flour, Mm -hmm. all of that. You know, avoiding things in a box or a bag, eating with a fork, sitting down and eating and breathing, inhaling the aroma of the food. We begin to digest through our eyes. So when we lovingly appreciate what the food looks like, who's prepared it, the love that's gone into it, the nurturing and care, even uh, expressing gratitude for the food that's in front of us uh, helps digestion. So absolutely, if you can avoid things in a box or a wrapper, uh, the best gluten-free food could be veggies, you know, that day instead of a packaged starch. Oh, sounds sounds good. And a lot of people, you know, when they, they talk about being gluten-free, they don't even know what that is. You know, I, as I, I tell this story, I asked someone in a yoga class, what is um, gluten? And she goes, I think it's the part of the wheat that makes you fat. So she had no idea. So they just say no gluten, and they don't know, as you explained it, that there is a definite reason why you shouldn't be eating the gluten, aside from celiac, which is not the most prevalent um, 
disease for most people. Most people just eat it, no gluten, because it's a trend. And the problem with that trend is you walk in the supermarket and you see 100,000 shelves of no gluten and only maybe one of which is healthy for you. So. Right, and maybe focusing on eating real food, right, organic food, locally grown food, uh, focusing on fresh ingredients, herbs for flavor instead of sugar and sodium, and focusing on uh, home-cooked meals and what that tastes like. Eating seasonally, there's a lot of power in eating for our blood type as well. So um, it doesn't necessarily have to be falling on a trend of gluten-free, but when it comes to beautiful skin, if I have an acne patient in front of me and I know that 80% of her diet includes something that's got dairy in it or alcohol, <laughs> then I'm going to steer her away from that as, a, as an adjunct to our treatment. And I know she'll be more successful when she comes to see me consistently because I'll be checking in and, and helping to guide her. Oh, dairy. You had to say... You had to say... You had to say dairy, Grace Ann. You had <laughs> you were What's doing your fine. What's dairy that you love so much? <laughs> That's my dairy. I can't take away some of my cheese. Everything goes with cheese, right? I mean, I what think. What blood type are you? Um, well, I'm like the normal blood type. I don't even know what blood type I That's how often right. I go to doctors. I don't even know what blood type. I guess I'm the normal, you know, who everybody is. The most common, I should say. But I, blood type. Oh, I would have to advise yeah. you to avoid dairy. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I didn't want to tell you my blood type, but you forced <laughs> it out of me. You should be in my position and do the interview because you're a good interview. It's almost like the bare light bulb treatment. What blood type? That's why I was a little hesitant. I knew you'd say no dairy. Sorry I had I went into um, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, which goes by your pulses, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. said, um, and they said I was like vata pitta, which, but they don't have really dairy anyway. So, um, and then I thought my husband said, "Does that mean what a pity?" I said, "No, it doesn't. That's vata pitta." <laughs> <laughs> you cannot. No, it you means cannot. that in, that you tend toward nervousness, and vata is ruled by wind and air. So the the winter can be very hard on a vata uh, vata personality. It's true. I, all seasons can be hard on a vata. Our poor, fragile nervous systems. Yes, it's true. For for many, many things. But I find that coffee, alcohol, I mean, there are many things that I have found that are so negative. And, you know, a lot of people say they're so anxious. Well, you know, if you drink 10 cups of coffee a day or, you know, it's going to not help the situation. And then, of course, if you drink alcohol, you feel good while you drink it. But the next day, your whole nervous system is shot. So it's not a very good, um, you know, you really have to, as you say, get on a on a, on a good program. Now, um, you also practice the holistic approach to health and wellness, um, how all parts of your life affect your health as a whole, uh, which is what I think everybody should practice, even your physician. And more and more physicians are practicing that, you know, your general uh, internist. Um, how is everything connected? Well, you know, you have your four or five basic parts of, of a person's life that need to be in balance. And so, you know, your work life uh, and how you experience your career. And we have our uh, physical body, have our heart and, and our love relationships, our spiritual beliefs and how we practice them. And then there's the nutrition aspect. So when all of these are in balance and in harmony, Oftentimes you see someone who's glowing and they're walking with their head up and their skin is beautiful and there's not too many flaws and 
and they they have a way about them that makes you want a piece of what they have or you want to have a conversation with that person. So oftentimes with my patients, when they are talking to me and I'm listening, which is, is a lost art, I try to focus in on what I'm hearing beyond the breakouts on their chin or beyond the brown spots or beyond uh, what is physically apparent to them as the, as the main problem. So living in harmony and, and having all aspects of our lives in balance has a lot of power. And ultimately, I believe that's where what we're craving, that's what we uh, desire on a very primal level, is, is all those to be connected. Right. Very, very well said, Grace Ann. Now, um, what are some of the concerns that your patients seem to have when they come to see you? Some of the ones, the main concerns are lines and wrinkles, large pores, brown spots, uh, acne breakouts, oily skin, redness. Uh, and often uh, I list them and I actively uh, respond back so that I, I make sure I'm hearing them properly. And then I offer a, treat, a treatment plan for them that's uniquely based on, on their time. New Yorkers are, you know, I'm here locally in New York, and we're very stressed, you know. So stress can also show on someone's skin. And having a great hydrofacial, uh, where I'm with the patient for an hour and they're having a neck and shoulder massage, when they leave, they're transformed. Uh, so, so, so patients aren't going to come to me and say, hi, I'm stressed and I need to relax and, and have uh, exfoliation done and, and hydration with you. Uh, but a, a lot of times that's exactly what they need. So also being unclear on a home regimen. Patients have so many options. They're not always clear on what is right for their skin. And I believe there's a study somewhere that says that 80% of women buy a new product every month. Mm-hmm. Where are those products going? So often I offer them to bring their products in to me and I will make them a regimen based on what they already own and fill in the gaps as needed. That's confusing out there. I mean, there's the internet, there's a store. I mentioned often you go to Bloomingdale's in the beauty department, you get an instant anxiety attack whether or not you've had coffee because <laughs> you don't know where to turn. And there are little ninja perfumers and little ninja, you know, people who put mascara on you and then you feel you have to buy the entire collection because you feel so guilty because they took some time to put some mascara on you. So you not only buy that, but the eyeliner, the blush, <laughs> the foundation. Right, and oftentimes we think we need, you know, a huge... Uh, you know, cache of products when sometimes simple is best. And if you have a skin coach or therapist who's willing to sit with you, write all the steps down, you can email me, ask me questions. Having uh, someone that's really set aside to uh, advocate for your unique skin is really powerful. Is there any one, um, one product that you recommend to all of your patients Sunscreen. Would you say sunscreen? Okay. Mineral-based, yes, mineral-based mm-hmm. sunscreen. So that, and apply it all the time, even when it's not nice out, ladies. Yes, that's when the UVA rays uh, are, the UVA rays are out all the time, and those are shorter wavelength rays, and those rays are the most damaging. They go the deepest in the skin. So you have your UVA rays, UVB rays, which are the burning rays, which we tend to 
think of between the hours of 10 and 2 to 4 o'clock, and then the UVC rays, which are cancer-causing. So getting into the habit of applying a mineral-based sunscreen like Skin Medica's uh, broad-spectrum physical defense SPF 30 or Elizabeth Arden SPF 50, uh, which is mineral-based and tinted and a moisturizer, which also has repair enzymes, uh, that habit is really, uh, really has dividends uh, long-term. It's a small mm-hmm. habit to get into that has long-term dividends. And don't forget your arms and your ears and all that stuff, and your neck. A lot of people don't remember the neck and the décolleté, and they have, it, they have it slathered on their face, but everything else is exposed. <laughs> so. Men are my favorite patients for, for a couple of different reasons, and one of them is I love educating them on, um, you know, skin cancers and actinic keratosis that they get on their scalps and they get on their uh, tops of their ears And um, so I will do, you know, I will look them over and talk to them about wearing sunscreen on those areas consistently. I have found melanomas on scalps before. I've found basal cell carcinomas and squamous cells. So it's really important for men as well as women to be in that habit. And avoid those sun parlors, the sun, uh, the tanning parlors, I would think. We had a dermatologist on the show uh, recently, and he goes, that is, those, that's the worst for melanoma, that you can, I mean, it causes more melanoma than, you know, than ever, because people are doing it all the time. Skin cancer is the number one deadliest form of cancer for girls ages 21 to 30. Oh. And I think that's due in part to them con- Still using tanning beds, and there's a lot of social pressure, uh, and that's that's another. Uh, my heart goes out to young women who feel like it looks healthier to have a tan, uh, based on based on comments and based on approval, uh, and when in fact the opposite is true, right? Because as we're tanning, we're we're killing skin cells and damaging our skin. Yeah, but the one thing the Kardashians have done for us, it says spray tanning is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no bueno. And and it's hard to not have a tan. I'm someone who, I'm a skin type 1 to 2. I don't tan my skin, and I get a lot of critical comments. And again, that goes back to knowing my own value and uh, feeling that I, I, I love the skin I was born with, and I want to protect it, and I appreciate it in its most natural form. Yeah, but spray tanning isn't bad, right? That doesn't show. Uh, that's that's. In fact, spray or tanning, is it? although uh-huh, you, although with spray tanning you're not getting the UV damage, spray tan, the same chemical that makes cowhide into leather is used in a formulation with that spray tan. So you, huh. in fact, yes, you are damaging the outer layer of the skin. And, and again, in one of my biggest uh, complaints that patients come to me with is brown spots. And they don't understand that when they use tanning creams over the counter or spray tan, you're making your whole skin darker, including the brown spots. And that's why it looks so much worse. 
Oh, that's interesting. Okay, then let's take that back about the Kardashians. They did not give us. <laughs> they, did, they did us no favors. They, they did us no favors. Maybe that. with lasers, yes. I, you know, they laser a lot, and, and lasers are something I do. You know, 80% of my day is dedicated to laser therapy in one form or another. So I can thank the Kardashians for making that more accessible and microneedling and uh, making that a household word the vampire facelift but other than that no yeah and you gave me as i was telling dr schaefer you gave me the sublative laser which is beautiful aside from you know i had a day or two um, when i went to see my uh, little granddaughters my little twins saying can we call you tomato face i said sure why not you know it's, uh, glammy is preferable but tomato face for a day is acceptable so <laughs> and it went away and now it's wonderful i mean it, it really made a huge huge difference and that's one of the newer ones right the sublative sublative uh, laser yes so the sublative fractional rf yes is i call it our hot hand piece and the great thing, one of the great things about it is there is minimal downtime that we can uh, protect and camouflage with the oxygenetics makeup. And so there's not, um, you can go back to work typically the day after and hide any of the um, inflammation from the sublative fractional RF treatment. And it does skin tightening. So it helps the texture you'll find in the next four to six weeks, the elasticity of your skin. You should have an improved glow and an improved uh, texture and tone. And it helps with sun damage and large pores. There are so many applications for the sublative RF. Men and women love it alike. Eye areas, perioral around the mouth, acne scars, stretch marks. I treated someone's knees yesterday. The knees are beautiful with the sublative mm. RF. Yeah, as we age, the knee skin starts to uh, get a little softer and a little bit lax. Forearms, decollete, it's beautiful on the chest area and the neck area. So there's so many applications for the sublative, and it doesn't take very long. And I didn't even use numbing cream for you. Right? No, it's it's no no not no pain whatsoever. Well, Grayson, you're going to have to come back. And by the way, the Oxygenetics is a very very good product. I do recommend that. Um, uh, you're going to have to come back because we've just touched the surface of everything, and unfortunately, we are out of time. So, for our very final a few seconds, what is the most important um, thing we we can take away on a daily basis that we should follow? You know, look at your own, uh, looking at our own skin and appreciating our own inner true beauty and protecting the uh, beauty that we were given with. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you again for Thank being you with so us. You and, you and Dr. Schaefer are the best. I love you both. Everyone, that's our show. Thank you again. Thank you, Laurie, as always. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.